Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Today, the topic of my talk is stories we tell ourselves. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I think we are all telling ourselves stories all the time, and it's important to be aware of that. And I think to a certain extent, the spiritual journey sometimes automatically makes us more aware of that, and that can in itself become part of our struggle. There is a quote I'm going to read to you. It's from a famous Russian philosopher named Uspensky. He said, On the spiritual path, you can no longer deceive yourselves as you did before. You have now got the taste of truth. So, what's he talking about here? He's talking about how when we're really looking deeply at ourselves, when we're really paying attention to our motivations and our weaknesses and our strengths, we can't as easily deceive ourselves. We are more honest by nature, which sometimes we like to make excuses. We like to tell ourselves stories. We like to say, this happened because of this, and this is why it's not my fault, or this is why things are my fault, right? We like to tell ourselves all, all kinds of stories, stories about the past, Stories about the present, stories about the future. We So about the past, we tend to recreate the past. Our perceptions shape our memories, and we are often wrong. So that's why often um, police and crime investigators will say that the worst kind of evidence is eyewitness testimony. The worst kinds of kind of evidence is eyewitness testimony. That's why, or rather, because of that, a lot of the wrong people get arrested because a witness recreated the memory and put things in there that didn't really weren't really part of it. So they might remember a green car as a red car and remember it really vividly and just be completely wrong. And that's because we tell ourselves stories and we recreate our reality. And we especially recreate our past. I, gosh, I think of myself, I had to think hard to realize this wasn't true. I think of myself as someone that was bullied pretty badly as a kid. But when I when I reflect and when I think about that, when I challenge myself to reflect and think about that, like I was bullied a little bit, but I was mostly just ignored. And that's really differently than being bullied, right? Nobody stole my lunch money. None of that happened. So I sort of, in a way, recreated my past when I think of myself as someone that was bullied. I wasn't. I, I only was a little bit. But my memory is that I was. That's kind of weird to think about, right? When we reflect, I think, when we reflect on the way we remember our past, that can that can get really weird in our heads sometimes. And next, I'll talk about stories we tell about the future. So, I want to talk about worrying, worrying and anxiety, which tends to steal our joy. 
tends to steal our joy. It tends to take us away from where we are and make us unhappy because of things that haven't happened yet. That's not to say we shouldn't be prepared. We should always be prepared, but how often do we sit and worry about something that doesn't come to pass? I know I do that a lot. And I think that's very, very common. So worrying steals our joy. And on the other hand, the opposite coin of that is expectations. Expectations breed disappointments. Expectations breed disappointments. So I um, may ex- expect to be welcomed a certain way when I get home. You know, a certain way like, oh, you're home and hugs and stuff. And then when that, if that doesn't happen, I'm sad. And I've just created that problem for myself. I invented that out of nothing, right? My daughter once, maybe it was a couple years ago, but I picked her up from school one day and she said, Dad, can we go roller skating? There's a skating party. She loves skating. And I said no because I had plans already, but also I don't like sudden sudden things like that. Like, let's suddenly do this. I don't like that. So I said no, and she was upset. She had expected me to say yes, and my simple saying no ruined her whole night. Or at least most of her night, because she was just so upset that I said no. We do that to ourselves with expectations. Um, There's a quote that gets attributed to Shakespeare, but I don't think Shakespeare really said it, but it's... uh, expectation is the root of all heartache. Expectation is the root of all heartache. And I think that's really true. We expect something different and then we're upset when our expectations aren't met. We always do that. So now I'm going to talk about stories we tell in the present. In the present. So a lot of the time we will tell a story as an excuse to not be better. So we will tell ourselves, there are things I'm just not good at, or I have a bad temper, I'm just an angry person, or I can't meditate, that's a big one. So I have found, I have found many times that when people find out I'm a meditator, or when people find out I teach meditation, they they say things like, I wish I could get my mind to sit still. I think that's cool, and I wish I could do it. That sort of thing. And, wow, that's off the mark, right? It's hard for everyone. I wish I could settle my mind really easily, too. That's why we call it a practice. That's why we call it training. It's hard. But yet, people have this idea that some people are good at meditation and other people are not. But the truth is, it's hard for anyone. And another story we tell ourselves often is that other people are different from us. We tell ourselves that those people that look like that, those people that that have those views, those people are fundamentally different from me, and that makes them bad. And at the same time, these people who look like me or have the same views as me, those people are good. And we're just telling stories. We're just telling stories, and we might also ask ourselves, overthink questions about ourselves, like, am I a good person? Am I fake? That's called imposter syndrome. That's when we think 
that we don't belong wherever we are and we may get discovered at any second. That's imposter syndrome and that's a that's a form of story we tell ourselves. Everybody thinks has imposter syndrome sometimes, I think. And we also sometimes we overthink when we meet a person, we think, what does this person think of me? Do they really like me? Why are they behaving the way we beha- they behave? And uh, that's that's troubling too because overthinking just steals our joy, just like worrying does. Overthinking steals our joy. We don't want to sit and ruminate over whether or not somebody likes us or somebody thinks we're cool or whether or not we're actually cool. That It's a kind of story we're telling ourselves and we look for little evidence, but really we're making it up. We're making it up. What we really, uh, oh, a really scary one that I think people have a lot is the story of this problem is not bad enough to seek help. So someone could have a physical condition or a mental condition, tell themselves the story, this problem is not bad enough to seek help. I think people do that all the time. And I think people have physical ailments and they wait too long to be seen. And I think people have mental illness and they wait too long to be seen too. And so that's a story we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves this problem is not bad enough to seek help. I don't need help. And I think there shouldn't be shame in asking for help. And so now I'm going to tell you a story. This is called the horse story. That's what I call it anyway. This is the horse story. So many, many years ago, this farmer has some land and he has a horse and he has one son and that's his only child is one son. Okay. And his son is a teenager and helps him on the farm. And the horse like pulls the plows and stuff. And that's all he has to operate his farm. And one day his horse somehow gets out and runs away. And the farmer's neighbors come over and they feel bad for him. They're like, oh, you poor man. It's so sad that you lost your horse. And the farmer is like, well, I mean, maybe it's good and maybe it's bad. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? And the neighbors think that's real weird. But they leave. And a few days later, the horse comes back. And it's got a group of other horses with it. A group of wild horses have just tagged along. So suddenly, this farmer has extra horses. And his neighbors come over and they're excited and they're like, yeah, all right, you got some more horses. That's great news. Are you happy? And the farmer still same thing. He's just like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Who knows? And again, the neighbors think, well, that's really weird. And they leave. And the next day, the farmer's son is riding one of these wild horses and he falls down and breaks his leg because These are wild horses. They're not for riding. So the son has a broken leg and he can't help his dad on the farm anymore. And again, the neighbors come. These are really active neighbors. And they're like, oh, that's so sad that your son broke his leg. And again, the farmer is like, well, maybe, who knows? Could be good, could be bad. I tend to imagine that this is not right in front of his son with the broken leg because then the father's son's like kind of a jerk, right? So... 
the son has a broken leg and he's laid up and he can't do anything. And a couple days later, the military comes. Some soldiers come and they are drafting every young man in the area and taking them away to fight in a vicious war. And they see the farmer's son and they take one look at him in his broken leg and they leave. They can't take him, right? He's injured. So, then the neighbors come and they're like, it was a stroke of luck that your son broke his leg. And the farmer's just like, maybe, who knows, right? So, the lesson of this story is, of course, the farmer had a really even mind about all the things that happened, right? And if the horse didn't run away... And if the horse didn't bring back other horses, and if the son didn't break his leg, he would have gone off to war. And it's it's said that everyone that went to that battle died. So the farmer's would, son would have died instead of just being laid up with a broken leg for a long time. So the farmer was the farmer's neighbors were telling stories about how the horse running away was a terrible tragedy, and then they were telling stories about how the horse coming back was really great. And then they were telling stories about how the son breaking his leg was a tragedy, right? And the farmer never told a story. He never told a story. He was just present with what was happening, and he just tried to deal with it. And so his reaction was very different than it, than it, the expectations of his neighbors or what we would expect of ourselves. And that's the message of the story is he didn't tell himself stories. So, the spiritual journey also forces us to be honest with ourselves. When we look at ourselves and our relationship to the world around us, that's when we really start learning how to be better. We stop making excuses to not be better. We have to stop telling ourselves, I'm not good enough, because the truth is that we are good enough. So, I hope this talk has been helpful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and have a good day.